Listeners, please be advised that the following podcast does contain some strong language. We hope you enjoy. We're putting up new buildings, we're knocking down the old. We're working in the summer heat and in the winter cold. And the labour power we sell, me boys, for a hard and weekly pay. Produces mighty profits for the greedy MBA. And whether we were born here or born in Italy, in Greece, in Spain or Ireland, in England or Fiji, we all of us are workers united, we must stand until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land. Welcome to Creatures of the Industry, an ongoing series of oral history interviews with the people who made the building and construction industry in Melbourne and regional Victoria since the 1960s. These podcasts are sponsored by the Concrete Gang in cooperation with Community Radio 3CR. And break a couple of concrete pores to back our log of claims. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high. It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky. We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed. Our builder's labour is a name to make a man feel proud. And welcome to Creatures of the Industry, brought to you by... Community Radio 3CR and the Concrete Gang and uh, a show today is with our special guest, Greg Phillips, the one and only. How are you, Greg? Very good, Ralph. Excellent. And if you uh, enjoy this podcast, feel free to uh, contact Creatures of the Industry on all one word, lowercase, creaturesoftheindustry at gmail.com. And let us know what you think. So, Greg, let's start at the very beginning. Where were you born and what day, time of the day was it? No, I'm joking. Where did you start in the industry, brother? I started the industry in the, around about 1974. And uh, I've, the first couple of years I worked for Wilner Wrecker, which I quite enjoyed. But then uh, one Arthur Thomas told me one day, why don't you get in construction? You won't look like a... A dirty old uh, pig. <laughs> <laughs> a bit cleaner in uh, general construction. It was, yeah. So I got, I got a gig. I got a gig in. Uh, I got a gig. I think um, I worked for a couple of small builders. I've worked for Thompson Earth Movers at uh, State Bank. Un- I was underpinning at the uh, uh, McEwen's. Operating an air winch there in Burke Street. Yeah, in Burke Street. Yep. Yeah. Up just across the road. Yeah, couldn't, I couldn't help but go on there. <laughs> six, six pot lunch and back to work. And how old were you? I was uh, seven, eight. So that was my introduction. So I, I uh, the first run-in I had in with a boss was when my wife was uh, in labour for 26 hours at the Royal Women's and I'd, I'd been there with her and uh, so I'd rang the boss up the company and told them I wouldn't be in the next day. So anyway, the day after I, I turned up and I got the sack for not being at work the day before, even though I tell them my wife just had a baby. So consequently, I rang the, I rang the BLs up. It was my first really encounter with, 
with the union. So I rang them up and they come down and uh, duly I got uh, easily put back on and uh, the foreman happily got the arse. Do you remember the organiser? No, I don't, no. That, that, that's the problem. And I knew, I, uh, consequently, I knew them all, you know, but at that time I didn't, I didn't know. So, so you're 17, it's 1974. You're the youngest old timer I've had on this show. Well, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest, <laughs> youngest stalwart when the stalwart started. So after I was working, I was not working when I think it was a seventy. It was a seventy six lockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one a, and only seventy five into seventy six. Yeah, I was a creature of that. So yeah, picket lines and shit. I was. Uh, so how'd you how'd you come to start in the co- in the industry? How? Was it a family thing, or was it just oh, my man, my work man, was available? Oh, was it was plenty of work, and I, I, I'd, I'd had, I'd left school when I was fourteen and a half, so I didn't like school, so I got a, an exemption. And uh, in other words, school didn't like you either. No, it didn't. It made me, <laughs> school made school made me a state ward, and uh, I went to Toronto for six months for truancy. <laughs> locked me up and made me a state ward, so I wonder why I'm angry. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's probably a natural move to go into construction because it was pretty rough and ready. And I found, I found it wasn't too judgmental, I don't think. Not at all, because when when you're at that age and you've been playing up in in, in your early years, whether you went to Tarada or Petrich, I mean, there was no no whistle bus if you joined the Builders Labor's Federation because they didn't care what your background was. I mean, they're just happy happy to have you under the uh, in the fold. So. I mean, they just accept the move open arms. So, and when you came into the industry back there in the in the glory days, <laughs> how'd you find it? Yeah, good, good. In terms of the conditions, and oh, the conditions, how we oh, and the conditions were shit. I mean, you take it today, and that, look, I, I I tell a lot of young people that if it wasn't for for the likes of, of a lot of older men than me, and and including myself. I mean, the conditions they got today, we had to fight and, and lose time and battle the boss over. And, and I'm just talking about basic things like like coffee and sugar, air conditioners, things you just take for granted today. I mean, I, I'd been on sites where, where your drinking fountain was a hose going across the building site, and that, that's what you got, got your water out of. And I mean, some jobs, you know, I was sitting on their cement bags and shit like that and having their lunch. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of changes so for the, for the good. But it took a struggle, took a lot of fighting to get it. But I mean, when I started, there was no sea bus, no inkling, no co invest, no no nothing. So I take my hat off to all the all the men and women before me and after me. So yeah, let's just go to that site that you were talking about yeah. earlier, McEwen's. You're a, you're basically operating the winch to yeah. uh, some blokes who were down below the surface, <laughs> uh, digging out and. Reinforcing, I guess. Yeah, I'm doing all the underpinning for, yeah. for to stabilise McEwen's. It, it, it end up getting pulled down anyway. But a few years later, so it was pointless. But anyway, it was work for us. Having been bought out by Bunnings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, it was a it was a serious job. I mean, you've done your best. I mean, you keep yourself keep yourself tidy. Keep keep yourself well away from the edge because the miners would be growling at you. Stop kicking fucking shit shit down there. Yeah. And all you're doing is doing them a favour. <laughs> well, I think you said to me before that uh, those blokes were Irish and they were stuck down there. Just, well, they weren't claustrophobic. No. 
They were thirsty, though. They were thirsty. Yeah, and I was coming. I was coming to that. <laughs> was there anything down there for them in terms of amenity? Was there water down there? Was there, you know, dust suppression? What uh, was down there? Nothing. Just them. Just them. Just them. With hand tools. Hand, with, the, with 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 pneumatic with with little jackhammers and oh, shit. Oh, little jackhammers, yeah. yeah, with spades yeah, on. But, yeah. yeah. And a shovel and a pick, and that's that's all they had, and they relied on you. Any hearing protection? No, not then. No. Any masks? No, nothing. That was non-existent in the days. So they made it up as they went along. Yeah, and a few long necks got them through. Long necks got them through the afternoon, a long afternoon. Yeah, well, that was that was interesting. I mean, they were all good bikes. I mean, I got. I mean, it didn't didn't matter the age of them. You're accepted if you were like I was 17. You got an adult's wage, and if you had a job in a supermarket or or in a factory, you'd be getting 17 year old rates. And the policy of the BLs was, you, you did the same work, you get the same pay. So you're on adult wages at 17. Yeah, and even in those days, it wasn't a bad wage. No, it was a good wage, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a good wage. I mean, and there was side allowance, and in the city there was a better side allowance, and in the suburbs, yeah. and like there was. Some ups to all of this, but it was rough and ready. It was rough and ready. I mean, you go to branch meetings at seven, seven, seven o'clock <laughs> once a month on a Tuesday night. I mean, we've been at the pub all since four, and you get in there, and poor old, poor old Harry Danaher was the, the, the president. president, and he'd be banging his gavel, telling us all to shut, shut, shut the fuck up. Anyway, no one listened, and <laughs> the funny thing about it is. It's old Harry lived down the street from me in uh, Seddon. Yep. And um, two of my daughters went to school with his granddaughter. So yep. it was a good old, good old bloke. But uh, we had a couple of female builders' labourers there and they, they'd come to the branch meeting and old Harry would be telling us to shut up and stop swearing. And, and they'd get up and he'd say, don't fucking worry about us, we'll look after ourselves. <laughs> well, who was the guardian on the door? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know. All he did was check the tickets. Oh, yeah. Check the tickets, yeah, check but after that there was no. not much crowd control. No, there was no crowd control. Once <laughs> once you signed in, showed you were financial. No, they, 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 were, they, were good, they were good branch means, I can tell you. I mean, everyone, everyone was hurling abuse. It didn't matter what position you held in the union. I mean, you all, you all got it. But in the end, we all got it, shook hands and walked away, and we'll see you next month. So. And back to the curtain. Back to the curtain, yeah, it's the stumps. Yeah. Now, we're talking about what it was like to be in the industry and for builders' labourers, and maybe not the case in some other sectors of the industry, but for a builders' labourer, you're expected to uh, participate. Not everyone did, but there was a uh, fairly large contingent that participated in monthly meetings and participated in the site meetings and made themselves heard. There's a lot of blokes with a lot of experience. They've been around since they'd come back from the war and yeah. probably didn't have much longer to go, but they were very determined to hang on to what they had and improve on what they could get. Yeah, I spent a lot of time listening to old old members of the BLs and uh, their stories and what they where they were at and when, where, when I started, and I spent a lot of time just listening to them and get, get learning from those guys. And then... Um, I uh, subsequently, I got a job at the Austin Hospital, and 
in those days you used to line up to get handpicked like you did out down the wharf. Yep. You used to pick you out, you, you. The bull you, ring. Yeah, the bull ring. And that's how you used to get picked up on the job. So anyway, I got picked up by a subby and uh, it was the start of, start of the Austin Hospital and I was made the shop steward and uh, on this day, Tammy Fraser... You were made the shop steward. Before we go on to young Tammy, you were made the shop steward. How yeah. that? I was elected by the members on the site. Not that you wanted to be the shop steward. I didn't worry me. I don't mind right. taking it. Okay. Now yeah. we're getting down to it. Now we're getting down to it. How old were you at that stage? Uh, 19. 19. Let me suggest to you that... Uh, there's a bit of jacked up there about you. Uh, a little bit mouthy. Yes, very much so. And uh, still am. Yes, as long as I've known you. And you would have had, well, this is what a bloke described to me one time. He's driving up Swanston Street mm. and he's holding Kingswood. He's got a tape in the cassette player. It's Akadaka. <laughs> I got the jack. <laughs> he's got his window down and he's got his a- elbow hanging out. Was that you? Yeah. <laughs> or, many, or many people like me. Many that. people like me, yeah. 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 And at what point and how did you go from being, let's say, a bit of a rat bag jacked up there to being a bit more than just a member of the Bells? You had a view, you came to a view that Something had to be done. There was some politics in this. There was some view about the bigger picture, the long term. Where yeah. did that happen for you? Well, that happened. That happened out of out of out of going to branch meetings, listen to a lot of old members on site. And I mean, for what we had, and for, like when I say there's no Inkerlink and C bus, then there was there wasn't. And I mean, we were just struggling. To, I mean, it's good money and money and shit like that, but. I mean, the politics comes in because what you what you face with day day in day out is you're treated like shit by not only the boss by your government. You're all they think we're all standover men and 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 fucking thugs. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I've met a better class of, of working people than than builders labourers. So I, I I got politically motivated when I was when I was still going to Collingwood Tech, and I think in 19, 1967, I think I was. I went to the Vietnam. War rallies in my school uniform, and when uh, Queen Elizabeth come down Queen's Parade in North Fitzroy, I told her to go and get fucked. I'll stand in, in, in on the medium strip in the middle, and then another time LBJ come down, I, I told him to get fucked as well. So I mean, authority, authority, and I don't get on. So, so um, there was something about you and your view of the world which just made you a natural fit. <laughs> I fit it in well. You fit it in well, but we'll come. We'll come back to that yeah, because it's yeah. a it's a theme that maybe we should explore a bit more. But yeah. see, so the Austin Hospital. It's a good blue. You're a shop steward. Yeah, and working we're, with a whole lot of blokes who a lot older probably. They were a lot older. And the, the other trades. Yeah, had the, had some chippies, AC and J and BWIU, Rickies. Yeah, had. Uh, Brickies. This is early, in, early on in the job when it was still down, yeah. still a hole in the ground. So it was mainly just form workers and uh, labourers. And what was it like? Have we, 
Oh, you're a fairly uh, big job. Yeah, big job. And a yeah. uh, fairly complicated job. Complicated. On the side of a hill, near a railway line. <laughs> people everywhere. Yeah, people everywhere. Look, it was a good site to work on. I mean, it was, well, I mean, when you're down in the mud, you're in the mud. I remember the day that uh, Malcolm Fraser uh, sacked a, a, a shitload of uh, interns, apprentice doctors. And I had, them, I had four of them working beside me on a, on a pick and shovel in, in the mud. Yeah. And, and I was watching them as they were leaving. And what I should have done, I should have got their names and addresses. They would have been top mm. professors of that now. They, they shook my hand and said, I don't know how the fuck you can do this with blisters on their hands after an hour. Mm. I said, this is too hard, we can't do this. And they were just peeling off. And, and by, by 10 o'clock, the four of them was gone. Mm. So here I was fucking just laughing to myself. Hmm. Uh, so, so the, the name Fraser keeps coming up in this conversation. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I met Tammy Fraser there. You one met day. Tammy Fraser. That's what we're getting on to. <laughs> yeah. I, what happened? I had a chat. I knew a couple of days before she was going to turn up. So anyway, I, I had a chat to Norm, Normie Wallace and Normie Gallagher, and they were the opinion that you can look after this, Greg. You, we won't bring it organised down. You look after it. See how you go. And just left it at that. So anyway, on the day, I was there. There was all these edges lined up, and there she was with Sir Peter Costain in a white overalls and a gum boots and a silver spade, and <laughs> and surrounded by federal police and local coppers. So anyway, we had a no ticket, no start policy. So I put all the boys in the shed, and I went over, and I said, "You stay in the sheds. So I'll fix this up." So I walked over, and I've gone. This is no ticket, no, no start. I said, we don't have scabs working here. Anyway, I was told to mind my business and pushed out the way and I just go and get fucked. Anyway, I just barged my way through on it and I thought, and I kept telling them, no ticket, no start, you're a fucking scab, get off the job. Anyway, as it turned out, I thought, oh, I'll go to plan B. <laughs> so plan, plan B was, all right, you shovel your four shovel loads. So she puts four shovel loads into the bottom of it of a crane, crane pad. Anyway, so she puts the four shovel loads. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll fucking be smart, are you? I said, I'll let you fill it all up. So they filled it up with the concrete, and then I said, she's fucking wandered off. So I said to the foreman, I want her four shovelfuls out. So he goes, these are four shovelfuls. I said, no, they're on the fucking bottom. He said, what do you mean? I said, we're going back, we're going back to the fucking shed, and that was put in by a scab. It can be taken out by fucking scabs. We sat there for the next three days in the shed, got paid all lost time and that concrete come out. And, and then Sir Peter Costain signed her up into the BLF and the receiver and the, and the silver shovel went into the federal office of the BLs. So that's my little claim to fame there. That's your long and abiding relationship with the Fraser family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but progressing I just, slightly, was that... Just before uh, her husband decided to have a royal commission into the BLF. Oh, well, every every, <laughs> every Liberal Prime Minister has had a royal commission into the BLF up until the last Liberal Prime Minister, yeah, he just, this current day. So they'll have yeah. royal commissions every every time they got up. Yeah. Anyway, it's Austin Hospital. You're the shop steward. You go to shop stewards' meetings? and I went to shop stewards' meetings. I was... Um, was asked that I want to be on the uh, a delegate on the uh, executive. Uh, was also Shanghai uh, a delegate with Norm Wallace on Trades All Council every Thursday night. 
So I was a busy boy when I was about fucking 20 years old, so... Well, two things. Uh, they obviously saw something in you. Yeah, I know. And two, you've got a young family. Wouldn't have been easy. No, not easy at all. So as, the, as time progressed in, in our industry, when you become two mil and you get blacklisted like quite a few of us did, and you couldn't get a job in the industry, so... I remember Normie, Normie Gallagher telling me, go and get your driver's licence and I'll give you an organiser's job. And, and my attitude was, I don't need a fucking driver's licence, so I don't want a driver's licence because I don't want to be an organiser. And he, he just <laughs> fucking, he just looked at me and just shake his head. But there was good, good times with Normie Wallace on uh, trades all. I mean, I, I'd be sitting with well-respected uh, comrades there, Teddy Bull, all, heaps of them, so... Ken Stone was the secretary for life on Trades Hall when I was there, and it's not anymore. So they have, uh, I think it's three year terms, do they? Now or four? Oh, four year terms. Four year, yeah. Well, when I ran into me and Ken Stone, had a few run ins at Trades Hall, he was there for life. So we, we made it our aim to get rid of him, and we did. And then it made that a democracy. So, I mean, I had run ins with him on several occasions. One time I was sent down and built an oil rig out in the Burke Street Mall, me and Angus McCall. So A small oil rig, hopefully. No, I was blocked up both sides of the train to tram tracks. <laughs> and Normie, Normie Gallagher had contacted the tramways union and let them know what we are going to do. Yeah. So we had them on side, so they had the trams backed up one end of Burke Street, the other. So we built this oil rig right in the middle of the Burke Street Mall then walked off. And left it there. And the whole idea was that was the averages at Nukabar in Western Australia, Exxon was going to drill there. So the builders' labourers had a policy of fucking standing up for, for for people like that. So we said, well, if they can if they can drill at fucking Nukabar, we'll put one in the middle of Burke Street Mall, and they can get fucked. So which we did, and then. I walked around to St Paul's Cathedral and they, they had the Aboriginal 10 Embassy there at the time and I was in there having a couple of long necks with uh, Gary Foley and then I, I, I invited them all to come, come up to the, to the gallery up in Trades all that night, I said, because uh, you come up, I'm going to give it to Ken Stone. So I said, I'm going to get you acknowledged in Trades all. So... Which I did, and I end up getting thrown out as, as usual. But I, I, I had a visit off Barry Kent the next morning, and he come to my place and he said, "Normie Gilly wants to see you." And I said, "What for?" And he said, "I complain up last night." And I said, no, "I'd do nothing that I normally wouldn't do." Anyway, I said, "No, I couldn't be fucking bothered." So tell him to get fucked. Anyway, so he said, "I can't, I can't go." There's no phone, mobile phones them though. So he said, "Yeah." I've got to bring you in, you know, you've got to come in. I said, oh, I'll have a shower and I'll come in, Barry. I don't want you to the fucking shit. So I went in there and the first thing, Norm, Norm come in, shut the door, shuts the door and he shakes my hand. <laughs> he said, well, well done, son. <laughs> and he goes, I've spoken to Ken Sane, who was also, by the way, the State Secretary of AA, right, unbeknown to me. Norm's done a deal with Ken Stone and said, oh, Greg's going to go to AA for six months. I've said, go and get fucked. I played the game. I said, all right, no, no worries, no worries. So Norm gave me a job of painting the two. We, had, we owned two terrace houses out the back in Orr Street. And uh, we had a couple old couples used to live there and they, 
when we bought them, we, we told them they could live there rent-free for the rest of their, their lives, which we did. Anyway, when they moved out, because I couldn't get a job and I refused to be an organiser, he gave me the job of painting these two houses like Paul Ogre did on the uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge. I do one house and I go back and start the other. And I had, I had an organiser for the painters' union come around one, one morning and he goes, Greg, that's our fucking work. I said, go and tell Norm. He goes, oh, you keep painting, Greg. <laughs> Don't remember which organiser that was, do you? And, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd have to think about it, but I probably would. It's the same organiser. Norm, when uh, Bob Orkroll, Bill Aid, uh, trades all got a ANSET flight, a chartered flight for everybody to go up. So Norm go, Gallagher gave me a Eureka flag on a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I thought, how the fuck am I going to get that in the plane? So I went back over to federal office and I, gave, I said, mind that way and I'll come and get it later in the day when I come back. So I went there, and I never, never even made it to the rally. I mean, I, I was with a couple of other blokes. I mean, I'm supposed to go to this rally, fucking Bob Ork, I had no time for. So anyway, we went to the pub, and then I said, what's the time? Said, oh, fuck, it's three o'clock. I mean, that plane's, plane's going back. So we got a cab to the airport, and I rang the cab. I'd said to the cab driver, ring the airport and tell them to hold the plane. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they did. So I've got half a dozen cans of beer and I've got to go through this fucking like, metal tech. I, I, I give the, the security guard the half a dozen cans and so I go through and he gives them back to me and I have to go up the back of the plane. They, they put the, the walkway at the back. So I go up and I guess who stand at the top of the top of the stairs? Ken Stone, <laughs> shaking his head. I've just got up. I didn't, I didn't have acknowledge him. I just got on the back of the plane, sat with the hostesses, drinking big six cans of beer. Back into back into Gallagher's office the next day. What the fuck are you doing? You've been in trouble all your life. Why should you change now? No, not at all. I had a run in one day with uh, Bob Ork when he was the ACTU president. He needed a couple of labourers to shift the the library in the ACTU house, so he sent me and another guy it down was in there. Ligon Street. No, I was down in no, um, Swanson Street. Swanson, yeah. Oh yeah. So. They said to your house, that's when they used to sell fridges and washing machines and shit. A- anyway. Yes. So, oh, that's right. In, um, in uh, was Elizabeth, Elizabeth Street. Elizabeth Street. Burke's ACTU yeah, store. Yeah. So, so we'd probably go down there and the first day we're helping the librarians. Like we just push, put the trolleys in the, in the lift and then take them to, say, the second floor. That, that was all fine. So we start work the next day and there's, there's shop fitters on uh, level two. So I walk over as I do. I said, the... He's uh, big members of the uh, ACJ, the PWIU. No, we're not in the union. You go and get fucked. I said, oh, is that right, is it? I said, where's this, where's this Rhodes Scholar? I'll go and find him. So I went down to Bob Hawke's office. I said, you know, you got scabs in here? He goes, what are you talking about? Because he knew me. And I said, you got fucking scab shop that is there. I said, uh, I'm locking the lift. We're calling 24 hours there. I said, we're down tools. So he's going, what the fuck? So I rang up the union officer, I was talking to Normie Wallace. Normie Wallace said, I'll send a flying squad down. Greg, no worries. No worries. Oof. So, yeah, so sitting down there, he never never spoke to me again, and I'd seen him plenty of times after that. Mm-hmm. Fucking prick. <laughs> well, just about everyone in the, in the uh, hierarchy of Parliament's got a mention in this discussion so far. <laughs> well, I was dealing with bigwigs, wasn't I? So. Yeah, well... They weren't any better than me. As good as anyone and better than no one, yeah? Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. Now, they must have kept at you. Who? Norman, Norm. Oh, yeah, always. Oh, they every kept day. At you, every kept day. at you. 
Everything. And when did you get your driver's licence? I didn't. I didn't get my driver's licence until I was 26 years old. But you became an organiser before then with the Oh, BLS. yeah. Look, one time, Camo went on holiday, so Norman Gallagher said, listen, here's a beeper and a, a beeper and a receipt book. Go and, go and organise the city. Little, little be known to me that, that he had Mick Lewis following me around an hour after I'd been to every job because I stood them all on their ass. The first job I went to was uh, the City Loop at Parliament Station, John Island. And I went there, I rocked up there, and I, the boys were in the sheds. So I went up, I'm looking around the side office, I'm going around, I said, where's the sheds? They said, in the tunnel. I said, what do you mean in the fucking tunnel? I said, yeah, the sheds. I said, how come? Nah. So anyway, I went down, went and seen the boys. I said, what are you doing down in here? And they're telling me what, what they're blowing about now. I said, come on, I've got some new sheds for you. Where? So hey, up, upstairs. I've thrown this fucking site manager out, and you, there's, your, there's your new sheds. So I've told John, John Holland, you can get out of it, you can fuck off. So, mm. so yeah, so they, for a while they had new sheds up on grand level, so they were happy. But so yeah, that was your first tour of duty as an organiser? It was, yeah. yeah. It was, I had to go and get your right of entry. Uh, a bit easier in those days. The yeah, was. secretary just wrote it out. Yeah, it was, it was good, yeah. No, and no was, boss had a say in it. No, nah, not at all. But they were, they were, look, they were good days. I mean, I enjoyed, as I say, I enjoyed being on the trades all. The executive was, was good. I, I didn't mind being on the executive. They were all good blokes on there. So, I mean, I, I learned a lot from those people. So who were you on the committee of management, the executive with? Uh, Normie Wallace, Normie Gallagher, Johnny Cummins, Angus McCall, myself, uh, Donnie McGregor. I think that's that's who made up the exec then. Harry Denner was the president. Yeah, old Harry. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about old Harry. Yeah, and uh, we used to meet every Wednesday down in the basement. Down in the basement. Yeah. So yeah, the big table. <laughs> like a big table. Yeah. Yeah, they were right. They were they were, they were good mates. I mean, lots come out of that. I said, well, I mean, for all the policies, the policies and the planning. I mean, I take my hat off for Normie Gallagher and Normie Wallace and later on Camo, Johnny Cummins. But, uh, I mean, the superannuation, I, I, I take my hat off to Normie Wallace for, for being a lot behind that, getting us our super for all, all the work that he did behind the scenes for that. Now, let's just have a little jump backwards. Yeah. You've been in the industry now for probably, what, six, seven years? Yeah. Longer? Yeah. Late 60s, early to mid 70s was a period of intense industrial activity around improvements. Yeah. What do you remember were the main issues? This is before we get to super, before we get to redundancy. Long service leave was certainly one of them. But what other issues were getting fought out on jobs? You've sort of mentioned them, but yeah, well, talk about the campaigns. Yeah, well, there was a 38-hour-a-week campaign. We had a campaign We had a campaign for that. With that, we used to take afternoon smoko every day for 15 minutes. And the boss used to put... Because in those days, you were paid by cash and in, the, in an envelope. Your pay packet had a letter in it saying your wages have been docked 2.5 hours this week, so your holiday pay will be cut accordingly. So we just kept doing it anyway, fuck them. So anyway, so we just kept doing it. We won it anyway, so fuck them. So, I mean, uh, when the boys 
at least this is the mass of the Bulls Labor's Federation. When we got our mind mind set on something, there was no there was no stopping us. I mean, so, some of the amenities that, that we had to put up was were absolute shit, and I mean there was none. So I remember when we got air conditioners. I mean, I think we were one of the first jobs, and um, we got a shower. But all this shit we had to fight for, they wouldn't give it to us. But uh, I was always happy to go to war with a boss, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, for a reason. So I'd be. That's where the politics comes in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, This is about something more than just you. Yeah. yeah. It ain't it all about you. No, it wasn't about it's me. It's about doing something. It's about the industry I worked in and the people around me. Yep. And, I mean, what's good enough for me is good enough for them. So, mm. I mean, there's to leave no one behind. I mean... Look, I had no time for the boss. I still got no time for the boss. People today think the boss gave us all these conditions, you know, all the facilities. But if it wasn't for the likes of older blokes, older than me and wiser than me, we wouldn't have nothing, nothing, unless we went and fought for it. They 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 were prepared to give us nothing, the boss. Unless you could bust his balls. That's how I put it down. They bust his balls. You were going to get nothing. And that's just basic stuff. I mean... Back in them days, bosses and that had superannuation. The workers didn't have any. Workers had fuck all. Hmm. So unless we had to go, to go to battle, we were going to get nothing off the employers. Now, the Bible was the Builders' Labourers' <laughs> Award and later the Green Book, yeah. which was the Victorian Building Industry Agreement. Yeah. Now, that was fought over and won and lost and improved and you know, the award, the VBIA, everything was subject to ongoing dispute. Yeah. Inclement weather was written in, inclement weather was reduced, inclement weather was reinstated in full. I mean, there's a whole lot of things went on. Yeah. Are there any particular jobs that you were on or was an organiser or steward for Uh, where you had to fight out a particular issue, height, money? uh, Yeah, I had to fight an issue with safety boxes because they were just about non-existent. And I had an incident at the Austin Hospital where Crane was lowering down a, a backhoe in between the two slabs and down to the basement. And this, this dogman was down there. Anyway, this backhoe operator got in the way. Anyway, guess what happens? He breaks his legs. Right? He sh- shouldn't be where he was. Mm. Anyway, so the crane crew was smart enough to lift him out in the crane box mm. straight away and put him out outside the emergency entrance. So we had a blue over that because... I said to the bosses, look, we want a, a specified safety box, painted white and a red cross. Because these were non-existent. These were just here and there. So they said, no, you get nothing. So, so they just got him out in the sandbox or something like that. Just you know? just a normal crane box, a timber. Yeah. timber. They got him out with that. So, so I, I just said, no, I want a white specific box that could take a stretcher, take a person in there. They said, no, you can get fucked. I said, oh, well, we'll go and sit in the sheds. We'll, we'll fucking see who wins this. So This was a costane job? Yeah, yeah. The one and only? The one and only. So I went to arbitration. So Justice Alley it was, was the uh, justice. Anyway, he uh, he came out on site to, to inspect what was going on. So we showed him. There was, it was four sub-levels. So, so he had eight flights of stairs, eight, you know, to get out. So they brought two microambulances with them and put a, a bloke in the bottom in a stretcher and they put a crane down, down the opening in the slab. And so the blue was over a crane box. They lifted the crane box out in 30 seconds. It was out in a minute. It was out in the street. These ambos had only got up one landing. 
with the person. So I won the fucking blue. But mm. anyway, so I go into the into the conference room and all these QCs and all, all these mugs from the master builders are all in there. Anyway, I had nowhere to sit. So just as Ali said, because uh, I'd have run-ins with him before, so he said, you can come and sit next to me, Greg. And I thought to myself, I've won this blue. Why would a justice say, come and sit, a builder's labour, go and sit next to him? So I did, and he goes, yeah, and he goes, oh, I agree, there should be a, a, a safety box here. And he goes, and how many days, Greg? I said, uh, three. He goes, yep, yeah, three days lost time. And I just went, fuck yous. Uh, so I had a couple of run-ins with, with Justice Alley, not run-ins with, but I had to go and rep. I represented the BLF at three different occasions for, for my job. The, the master builders had QCs and a big bank full of uh, lawyers, and here was me by myself representing the builders' labourers. So if you want to get thrown down the deep end, well, that's what I was doing. And I never lost the blue. Now, this does sound a little bit familiar. Uh, this was the uh, throw them in the deep end of the swimming pool and hope they can swim. Yeah, 100%. Or if you prefer a more dramatic uh, analogy, kamikaze pilot. <laughs> you would have gone well in the Japanese Air Force by the sounds of it. No, well, I would have survived though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only difference. <laughs> but it was a bit like that in those days. No, it, was. it was made up as, it, as you went along. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And if you were going to learn, that's the way you were you were going to learn, is, is get in the deep end and get amongst all the shit mm. and see if you can clean it up. Yep. Which I, I, I quite enjoyed doing, so yep. I, did, I didn't mind at all. So When we used to have demos and, and go to the steps of Parliament, State Parliament, and be fighting the coppers at the front of the march, so you catch me today and you'll see me at the back. <laughs> I've done the hard yards, so I think I deserve to be standing there in the back and taking it easy. But, yeah. uh, so, in but terms of, I was always Greg, Greg Phillips, yeah. the personality. This didn't bother you, no, not at all. No, but at the same time, Greg Phillips has got a bigger view of the world than just what's happening in front of him. Yeah, yeah, I had a world but view. Yeah, what about some of the stuff that used to go on in terms of injuries and? Deaths in the industry and that. How did that affect you? Because no one's immune to that stuff. No, no. Health and safety was a non-event. It wasn't around when I started. I mean, you're lucky to get a Band-Aid. The fights and that we had over health and safety just grew and grew. But no, there's a lot of bad fucking accidents. I remember the Black Russian when he went for a scaffold plank at Flinders Street Station back in the... I think that was the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. But the same token, you learnt how to work and to work with people and keep each other safe to the best of your abilities. But people talk about the rush to get jobs completed these days and maybe in foregone times it wasn't probably as hard, but it was still, the push was on. It pushes they, still want, they still wanted to make money. Yeah, yeah, but I, I didn't, I didn't see any builders going broke. I mean, I, I don't oh, think could say Swan Brothers and a couple of others went down the. Shoot, I, went, I, I remember when Mainline went broke and yes. and, and, and Norm Miguel goes, and they asked him, "Oh, what do you think about Mainline going broke?" And he goes, "Couldn't happen to a fucking better pack of bastards." So, I was around in in that era, but no, look, health and safety, the push by the boss, 
I mean, the push by the boss, I, I think it's more intense now than it was, was back then. I mean, because who paid attention to it? You know what I mean? Mm. Because we, we didn't have pump, concrete pumps then. It was all done by Kipples. Mm. So, so there wasn't a modern technology there is today. So your view would be over the journey... The pressure has increased. Yeah, pressure's increased on the... As the speed's increased. Yeah, yeah. As technology's moved forward, so's the push. And the number of people who are on a job is a lot less than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, con- just just me thinking, putting it to you. Yeah. A concrete pour would have had twice as many people... Oh, 100%. In ...those days. Yeah, on shovels. Possibly more. Yeah, on shovels. Three times as many. Yeah, and going back yeah. to the, uh, the rickshaws... <laughs> For those who don't know, it's a basically it's a box on two big wheels full of concrete. And the builder's labourer pushes it around and tips it over and the rest of them get stuck into spreading the concrete. Mm. But when do you reckon yeah. the, the push really started to go really hard? When did the push come? Yeah, in terms of production. it's I'm thinking mid to late 80s. It's, yeah, yeah really I was going to say mid 80s because before that you'd only go as fast as you could using kipples and, and, and technology like that. I mean, mm. the form works still the same when you think about it, still put up the same way. But uh, I think, yeah, like the mid 80s was when, when the push started to happen, when technology started to, to happen. There's bigger profits to be made and, and you were just a number. And also, we were coming out of a bit of a low in terms of activity and the mid to late 80s was bingo time for a lot of builders and developers. A lot of developers, yeah. yeah. Just happened to coincide with uh, obviously a government's view the necessity to get rid of the BLF. But well, yeah. That, that what, a, what a coincidence. <laughs> they were more interested in getting rid of us. Took them a few goes, but anyway. Now... We're jumping around a little bit, but the conversation's going pretty easily. It is. You've become an organiser. Uh, Camo was away. So yeah, you I, got thrown in. Yeah, I went and organised the city for a couple of weeks. And then what happened? Camo come back and I just went back to what I was doing. So Which was what? I was not being, a, not being an organiser. <laughs> being a delegate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I enjoyed doing that. I just didn't want to be an organiser. I mean, what, my problem is this, is if you try to force me to do something, I won't do it, and I'll just knuckle down and, like, like tell me to go and get my driver's licence. It's, it's like a red flag to a bull. I mean, I went and got one but when I was 26, mm. when, when it suited me. Yeah. I mean, I love being a bull. So let's jump, let's jump yeah. to 26. Yeah. 26, what were you doing? Nothing. 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 I was unemployed. Yep. I was doing fuck all. So my missus said to me, I think it's time you... She goes, I've got a commission house in Camperdown, and that, guess where you're going? And I, I no way. I, I said, no, I work in the building industry. She goes, yeah, you're not working. You get a job in the abattoirs down at Camperdown. I didn't. I, I moved to Camperdown. I used to stay at my grandmother's during the week, and I was still working in the... I, I got a job in the building industry, and I, I think it was a stage mid-'80s, I think... I'm trying to think it was during deregistration. I'm just trying to think. I had to have three union tickets to work. I had to have a BLF ticket, a BWI ticket and an AWE ticket. I was working for state schools nurseries. 
right? So I had a you know, working on primary school, so you know, new ones. Mm. And I said, there's no way known am I going to buy a BWIU ticket or an AWU ticket. Mm. I said, I'll buy, I'll buy my, my BLF ticket and that's it. So my employer paid for them other two tickets because so, mm. there was no way I was going to lower myself to that level. So deregistration for you mm. on a personal level was not exactly the best of times. No, no, it wasn't the best of times for me. So I had a, had a spell out of the industry for a couple of years. So I went and lived down a bush for a few years. But I was, I was, most times I was coming back to the industry and staying down, down my mum's or my nan's mm. and still staying in the, in the building industry from time to time. So, and then. So what sort of jobs were you working at? Down there. No, just wherever. Oh. So in the just, building industry? Yeah, yeah, just being a builder's labourer. Any particular jobs you recall? No, uh, no, they were uh, government based jobs, as in, like for state school nurseries, that was doing the landscaping and the brick paving and shit for extensions on new primary schools and that. But which was all right, I didn't mind. But I wasn't in the in the mainstream. You couldn't. I couldn't get a job with with any fucking builder, mm. any big builder. There was no way. So, but I didn't. I didn't regret that. So I didn't say, oh shit, I should have been an organizer. Well, mm. well I filled in when I had to fill in, but I, I'd rather. Just be on the tools, you know what I mean? Mm. I still had a political interest in the shit that was going on, so, I mean, I was around for a fucking, for a long time, so. We're putting up new buildings, we're knocking down the old. We're you have been listening to Creatures of the Industry, an ongoing series of oral history interviews about the building and construction industry in Melbourne and regional Victoria since the 1960s. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast, produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio, 21 Smith Street in Fitzroy. For more information, go to 3cr.org.au. We all of us are workers, united we must stand Until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land We face deregistration, it backfired in the face We're not fooled by arbitration, we won't stay in our place We hit the bosses hard and fast to win and keep our gains And break a couple of concrete pours to back our lug of claims So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed